You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in to the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM. We're ready to rock and roll. It's a brand-new week. Alabama goes into the bye week. With a 7-1 record, 5-0 in the SEC, and in the driver's seat in the SEC West. But as always the case in the West, it's never easy. It's never, I'm not saying it's easy in the East, but it's easier. And I'll argue that point with anybody all day long. Alabama's in position to do what it needs to do. But, you know, once again, if it loses one game, there's a very good chance that it will not go to Atlanta. Because LSU just has one loss. And the... uh Tigers play the Crimson Tide in 12 days from today. So if they were to win that game, both teams would have one loss in the division, but LSU would have the tiebreaker. So it is what it is. Alabama's going to need to win that game. That's the bottom line. That's just, uh, that's just the way it works in the West. You know, no, no, no breaks in the West. And I'm not saying again that the East is easy. Missouri is a good looking team, but you tell me, would you rather have to play Missouri to get to the SEC championship game or LSU? I'm going to tell you who I'd take. I'd rather play Missouri. And that's just. I think that most people would say that, but it is what it is. Alabama got it done on Saturday against Tennessee, 31-17 with a dominant second half. We'll go over that in just a moment. Welcome into the program. This is the Gary Harris Show for Monday, October 23, 2023. We are only, uh, believe it or not, just, uh, gosh, what are we? Seven, eight days from Halloween. That's hard to, that's really kind of hard to fathom when you think about it. There were eight days from Halloween, but we are, and, uh, that's just how fast the time is flying by. Then we'll be into November. And the next thing you know, of course, we're going to, uh, we are going to uh, be in, um, the holiday season. Of course, Halloween's a holiday, but I'm talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas is just right around the corner. But we're ready to roll this morning here on the program. This hour of the Gary Harris show being brought to you as always by Alabama Credit Union, member owned and not for profit. It really is just a better way of banking Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, Friday we had a good time over at Brick and Spoon. It was loud in there, but we had a lot of fun. But we're back in the studio this morning, and we are ready to go. I got my main man, Justin Jones, manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Of course, uh, Noah Haynes has been hanging out with us this morning and always is for the Martin Houston Show and Wimpin Berry inside the locker room. And uh, he is uh, right there on the other side of the glass as well. We'll take your phone calls, and I see we've already got a call ready to go at 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904 is the number on the first and main condominiums hotline. First, a few thoughts from the weekend, of course, uh, in the SEC, Alabama, and um, Tennessee, third Saturday in October. Rodney Orr is going to join us at 9.30 from Tider Insider to break that down. 9.30, Rodney Orr. Also 10.30, Casey Smith on golf with all kinds of golf news to cover this morning. But Alabama, Tennessee, tell of two halves. It really was. I mean, there's no other way around it. Uh, Alabama looked very, very, very poor in the first half. But they hung in there. They actually cut it down to 13-7 to after falling down 13 nothing and had the ball um 
in Tennessee territory with a chance to uh, take the lead or kick a field goal to cut it down to 13 to 10. Jalen, uh, Jalen Milrow went down the sideline to, uh, uh, Jermaine Burton in the end zone. It like him out of hit Burton in the shoulder, bounced off, deflected off, and was intercepted by Tennessee. And then they go down and score literally right before the half. I mean, with like 15 seconds to go in the half, and it's 20 to 7, and you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Tennessee offensively, uh, Joe Milton had probably had the best half of his uh, season, maybe of his career. Uh, he was outstanding. He started nine for nine. His first, uh, his first, um, um, Incompletion was a drop, and he uh, was just um, phenomenal. And Squirrel White, who's out of Clay Chalkville High School and kid that, um, you know, wanted to play at Alabama but wound up uh, not getting an offer and going to Tennessee, he was phenomenal in the first half as well and had a touchdown catch that might be as good a touchdown catch as we're going to see uh, going to see all year. I mean, just being honest with you. I mean, that's how good it was. It was uh, phenomenal. Uh, Tennessee was making all the plays. You could tell that they were uh, they were jacked up and ready to go. They had a great plan. They came out throwing the ball, which I don't think is what Alabama expected. Uh, they'd been a run-first team this year, but they threw the ball and they threw it well. And the next thing you know, like I said, um, they're up 20-7 to 7 at halftime and and there would have been no answers for Squirrel White and, and Joe Milton. But that would change in the second half and it changed quick. Alabama had deferred and given up a touchdown drive to Tennessee on the first drive of the game. But then Alabama came out in the second half, took the football, had a long run, I think a 29-yard run by uh, um, Jace McClellan. Then on the very next play, it was, um, it was a long touchdown from Milrow to Isaiah Bond, 46 yards. And Bond got behind the the defenses he seemed to have done all year. That made it 20 to 14. Crimson Tide added a 42 yard field goal from Wolf Reichard at the 833 mark of the third quarter to cut it to 20 to 17, then 342 to go in the third. Alabama got a five yard run from McClellan to make it 24 20. And then the Crimson Tide owned the fourth quarter. Uh, they owned the second half, but the, the, you know, we always put those four fingers up. Both teams did it, but it was Alabama. Will Reichard with a 50 yard field goal. He's been phenomenal. Knock on wood has not missed since last season. <clears throat> he was bothered by the fact that he missed that 50 yarder at Tennessee last year, but he didn't miss this one. Uh, and it made 27 20. And then the capper was with 726 to go in the fourth. Tennessee still just a, a touchdown down. And, um, Chris Braswell made a great move on the left tackle. He kind of stutter stepped it, just kind of held his ground, and then he just exploded to the outside. Hit, uh, Milton. Milton put it on the ground. Jihad Campbell scooped it up and scored from, uh, 24 yards out. Will Reichard added the kick, 34-20, and Alabama wins the game. Now, were there concerns? Absolutely. Again, the slow second half, the sluggish, I mean, the slow first half, the sluggish start to the game. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry right now is an issue catching punts. I don't know any other way to put it. I mean, um, he's running away from the ball. The one punt that he did catch, uh, he lost seven yards on it, but he did catch it. <clears throat> Most of the time, he's just, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. If they're going to keep putting him back there by himself, maybe put somebody back there with him, or maybe put somebody else back there. But late in the game, after Alabama had made it a 34-20 game, uh, Tennessee had to punt, and he could have caught the punt. He fair caught. He put a fair catch sign up, and then... Probably caught, would have caught it about the 25-yard line and jumped out of the way, and it rolled down to the one-yard line. So here you are now. you got a two-touchdown lead, but you're on your one-yard line. And there was still, at this point, I want to say about seven minutes to go in the game. So the game wasn't over with. Uh, maybe not quite seven minutes, but between five and six minutes, I'm pretty sure of that. And um, 
you know, so that's something that I, I know they're going to address. But if if he's not confident catching the ball, then I don't know if he needs to be back there trying to catch punts. But that was, uh, you know, something that that they dealt with the entire game, losing yardage when the other team punts because your punt returner either can't get to the ball or when he gets to the ball he doesn't want to fair catch it, or I don't know. But that's something that they, I, I know they got a bye week. They're going to have to decide what they're going to do there because he's got to do a better job of that. That's that's two games in a row where really he has cost Alabama a lot of yards by not catching the punts. If nothing else, run up and fair catch it. Uh, don't let it hit the ground and continue to bounce. But Alabama gets the win. And, um, you know, I've said all year I thought this Alabama team was going to be better in November. The key was to make November matter. Well, they've done that. They're going to go into November 7-1 and overall. Uh, five and zero in the SEC, controlling uh, their own destiny to get to Atlanta, and so they've done what they needed to do. But this game coming up in two weeks or twelve days is going to be huge for this team. All right, uh, that's uh, that's a little bit of a recap there in the SEC. Elsewhere in the SEC, of course, uh, Ole Miss got a big win over Auburn. They should have won. They're a better team, but as is the case when you play on the road in this league, particularly Jordan Hare, it's never easy. It wasn't easy for Ole Miss. That game was tied at half, 14-14. Ole Miss uh, led 20-14. I don't know if you guys remember me saying it, but when I made my point spread predictions, Ole Miss was 7.5. Remember I said that seven, that half point's going to get me. Uh, Auburn scored a late touchdown, down 28-14 to make it 28-21. And indeed, they covered the point spread, but Ole Miss gets the win. And a big win for Kiffin personally because, again, he almost went to Auburn. He freeze used to coach at, uh, at Ole Miss the Auburn coach and uh, so you know and Ole Miss is having a good year they're having a really good year so they get the win there at Auburn um, by the final score of 28-21 Mississippi State wins at Arkansas that might have doomed Sam Pittman but Pittman is going to try to stick around uh, he fired Dan Enos the uh, offensive coordinator and Enos has a huge buyout for an assistant coach I think he's going to make like 2.8 million he probably said just show me the door uh, but uh, they they're 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 not scoring on offense and they're not moving the ball they lose to mississippi state seven to three you don't see a lot of seven to three games in college football anymore but big win for mississippi state and arkansas remains winless in the sec Pittman could be in trouble although they really like him up there and i think the people that have the money are you know waiting to see who's available maybe before they they pull the trigger or you know maybe still give Pittman a chance to Try to win a couple games this year, but there's a lot of talk about why they don't put more money into the program with NIL and things like that. But I think right now they're probably waiting to see, you know, we're going to invest a ton of money into the program if we don't know who the football coach is going to be. So I think there's a lot of issues going on at Arkansas. Uh, LSU, man, they, they right now, and I, listen, I got a lot of respect for Army. So I don't care, you know, if this is a down Army team or not. This is not the, the vintage Army team, but still, uh, LSU beat them 62 to nothing. And I know they were two and four coming in, now they're two and five. But um, Army's not used to taking beatdowns like that. I can just tell you. Uh, but they, uh, but they took one, and uh, sixty-two to nothing is impressive. Uh, Troy beat Army nineteen to nothing, and Troy's a good team. Boston College beat Troy twenty-seven twenty-four. Boston College is a pretty good team. So it's kind of what I'm saying. It's um, you beat Army sixty-two to nothing. That that. That grabs my attention, I'll tell you that. And also, Missouri continues to look the part of SEC East contender. They're going to get their crack at uh, at Georgia soon. Of course, Georgia and Florida play this Saturday down in Jacksonville. Missouri over South Carolina, 34-12. Boy, the shine has come off Shane Beamer in a hurry. Uh, after last year, a lot of momentum for that South Carolina program, but he hasn't coached real well this year. And he's, you know, he's conducted himself a little bit sketchy. 
Speaking of conducting yourself a little bit sketchy, Josh Heupel in the postgame for Tennessee was asked about officiating and did the uh, silent treatment. And then basically said that ought to tell you what I think. Uh, so, cause, you know, he didn't want to get fined, but they had eight penalties for 55 yards. Um, last year, Alabama, I think had 14 for 130. So don't cry about officiating. You got to beat 27 to nothing in the second half. You know, if it's, if it's a one point game or a game like Alabama had lost last year where late pass interference, you know, might have dictated the outcome of the game, you know, but if you, uh, if you get eight penalties for 55 yards, um, you know, don't, don't moan and you get beat by, you get beat by 14 points, you know, maybe going for it on fourth down all the time in your own territory. Maybe that has something to do with you getting beat. What do you think about that? Um, but he, you know, he, he tried to play the, the, you know, we got, you know, put to us by officiating without actually saying it. He said it, but, um, like I said, when you get beat 27 nothing in the second half, you don't have anything to cry about. I mean, that's, that's play better. Um, you know, officiating is factor is a factor. I've said it. It's a factor in most of these games. Alabama had a really good day. Uh, one of the best days they've had in a long time, one penalty for five yards, but, um, you know, again, eight for 55 is not that out of, out of line and you get outscored 27 nothing in the second quarter. It wasn't the officiating that got you. There were a couple of calls that, um, went against Tennessee, but then they got away with a blatant, you know, guy took his forearm and, and, and hit up Isaiah Bond in the, in the helmet, uh, with a blatant cheap shot and it got missed. So, you know what? Uh, Alabama had to live with it. And I'll say this. Nick Saban didn't make one issue about officiating last year, not one. And, um, I don't even know, of course, I don't know if anybody asked him about it, but, uh, of course, Hypo got asked about it and did the old, I mean, for about 30 seconds, he didn't say a word and, you know, trying to say it without saying it kind of deal, trying to be cute. But hey, man, you, 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 you won one of the last 16 in, in Knoxville. And, uh, when I was at Brick and Spoon Friday morning, there were some Tennessee fans. It was good nature, nature. They were going, hey, balls, hey, balls, and we're going to get you, we're going to get you tomorrow. And I said, I said, what does it feel like to lose 15 in a row to your, to your arch rival? Uh, Alabama fans wouldn't know. What's that like to lose 15 games in a row? Think about that. 15 games in a row. The Alabama fans, I remember when they lost six in a row to Auburn and seven in a row to Tennessee about drove them crazy. They can't imagine what it'd be like to win twice that many or lose twice that many in a row. I'm, I'm glad, Gary, that you had a good experience with the Vols fans at Brick and Spoon that morning because in the stands, they were awful. Um, cursing next to kids. Yelling, uh, yeah. booing the band at half. Yeah, I had, I, I, I said at Rick and Spoon, I had a experience on the sidelines waiting to get in the gate. You know, they let us in with six minutes to go and I'm down there a little bit early standing there and there was a couple next to me and, and, and they were dressed well. I would say probably mid forties and, uh, the guy had been drinking and he got in my ear a little bit and, and, but I, you know, I was there to do a job and, and I kind of, you know, he said some, yeah, some really, vile things about Alabama and, and I just I just said buddy take it on down the line I don't want to hear it and uh you know I'm here I'm working uh, you know I got I don't have time for it and and uh he he did kind of finally you know leave me alone but um yeah you know I think they won one game and felt like they had taken control of the series not all right it's 916 here on the Gary Harris show we're going to get to the break and uh we're going to come back and take phone calls Joseph is going to be first up Joseph hold tight we'll get to you I didn't even mention uh 
Did I even mention the Eagles and the Dolphins last night? Um, first time ever posing teams for uh, Jalen and uh, Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. The Eagles get the better of it, 31-17. But again, man, all weekend long, it was like a walking recruiting video for Alabama. It was on ESPN. And then NBC did last night, uh, did an intro with Bradley Cooper, the famous actor uh, from um, – Hangover and a bunch of movies. And, uh, boy, it was just, and both those guys just exude class, man. They always did. They went through probably the most famous quarterback competition in the history of college football. And they conducted themselves beautifully. The fans always didn't conduct themselves beautifully. But Jalen and Tua did. And, and, uh, great game last night. Eagles, uh, went at 31-17. Um, Jalen accounted for three touchdowns. He did throw a pick six. The ball got, tipped and Tua threw a late interception when the Dolphins were trying to get back in the game, but they both played well. Uh, the Eagles are just a, you know, dynamic team and defensively last night, they shut the, they shut Tua down. The Dolphins got a touchdown right before half. Nice drive. Great pass from Tua to uh, Tyreek that looked a lot like second 26. They were down 17-3. They got back in the game and then they tied the game uh, on a defensive touchdown that pick six by Jalen, but they didn't score. They didn't score in, in the second half. Um, an offensive touchdown and the Philly, Philadelphia defense just, whoo. And that secondary, which has been, and Eli Ricks, what about Eli Ricks? You know, talent was never an issue, even after he transferred here from uh, LSU to Alabama. A little bit like Jermaine Burton in that he has some, some, I think some issues that aren't talent related, but he's an undrafted free agent and he played great last night for the Eagles and great game. Dolphins, Eagles, two teams you might could potentially see in the Super Bowl. Eagles win at 31-17. We'll talk more about that. All right, let's get to the break, and we'll come back take phone calls. Lead it off with Joseph next right here on the Gary Harris Show. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens, but no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100 Point nine, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays dry this week. The sky partly to mostly sunny today. The high 79. Tonight mostly fair with the low at 57. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, lots of sunshine both days. Afternoon highs between 78 and 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 
922, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We got the phone lines uh, jammed up, so let's get right to the phone calls. And uh, we got Rodney Orr coming up in the next segment. Uh, let's start it off with Joseph. What's up, Joseph? What's up, Gary? Hey, man, good morning. Brother, I'm going to tell you. I've been an Alabama fan all my life, but Alabama ain't going to win a championship the we played in that first half. And even in the second half, man, we just stopped the line because we went running the ball. But, I mean, far as, I mean, and, and Miro, he can hit the long pass. But, man, he can't hit them, the medium passes and all that stuff. He struggles with, man. He still struggled yesterday with that. And I'm sitting there thinking, good night. I said, if we going to run up on a team. Well, you know what? What you're trying to do is you're trying to win every week, and um, you know you're trying to find a way find a way to win the game. I told you going into the season it wasn't going to be easy. <clears throat> there wasn't gonna, probably going to be a lot of blowouts this year, but the bottom line is they got to the bye, seven and one, five and zero oh in the SEC, and um, they're in good shape. So you know you you take this week, you try to you know give them a break, and then uh, when you get back at it, you try. I think they practice the first couple of days this week, and then uh, take some time off for the weekend, and then come back in and get ready to go. And they'll try to figure out a way to beat LSU. And if they win that one, try to win the next one. I don't know. You know, I I understand what you're saying to some degree, but Tennessee's a good team, and it's not going to be easy to beat these teams. And they beat them 27 to nothing in the second half. So I, I don't have much of a problem with how they played in the second half. I don't know, you know, what you were looking to do, but when you're down 20 to seven and you win the game 34 to 20 i'll take that yeah but i mean i was just looking i'm gonna be honest with you again we played like lsu the first, like we played the first half of Tennessee game that puts you way quick now gary because they got an offense that can score and that, that puts that puts a point on you and make it where it's almost impossible to come back well you're gonna hope you're gonna play better in the first half they've shown that they're capable of doing that and uh you know, that's a big win. That's all I know is that's a big win. I'm not going to throw any any shade on that win, and we'll you know we'll get into LSU mode next week. Uh, but I think you ought to, if an Alabama fan, you ought to enjoy where you're at because I remember you calling in here early in the year and said they wouldn't even even get to this point. You said they were going to lose three or four or five games if Jalen Milrow was the quarterback. That's what you told me. So um, you know, right now they're they're in good shape, man. So you know, you just try to knock them off one at a time, buddy. But uh, that was a big win, and and uh, you move on to the next one. I, I agree with you. It was a big win, and I was happy to get the win. But, I mean, just like I said, the, the way I saw him throw, man, Michael Phoenix Jr., Jaden Daniels, I mean, you got Bo Nix. I mean, there's a bunch of quarterbacks. Well, let me tell you this. Michael Penix Jr. played horribly on Saturday. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., they were lucky to win that game. They didn't They didn't score an offensive touchdown in the game. He was terrible. So, I don't. I wouldn't throw. He's been good all year, but he wasn't good on Saturday against a one-win Arizona State team. Washington should have lost. So, listen, man, it's hard to play quarterback, Joseph. You and I have had done this had this discussion before. I think Jalen Milrose is doing a good job. So, man, appreciate the call, buddy. we got to move on. Let's get to uh, Ellis next, and then we'll kind of squeeze in time before the break. Good morning, Ellis. Woo! Good morning, Gary Harris. Hey, brother. Took, took Boy, care was... took care of him for you, didn't they? You don't have to worry about to catch any flack up there in that in the, in the in the state north of Alabama. Oh yeah, I'm giving slack to the ball fans. You know, uh, I did like I told uh, when I whoever that was that answered the phone. I've done been up there this morning and wrote Bama thirty four to twenty up there on the square. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet you at halftime uh, you were you were a little nervous. I think we all were. Yes, I was big time. I didn't. Uh, we sat around a bunch of ball fans, and they were obnoxious ball fans. 
I did not like the chanting and the singing of Rocky Top in our stands, Gary Harris. That's just not right. Yeah, and they you do know. it a lot. Uh, they do it. Uh, they they do it uh, a lot, and they were feeling their oats at halftime. Maybe that's maybe that's what Alabama did. Alabama lulled them into a false sense of security because I could tell they were feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> it didn't hold up, man. That was a nice second half by the Crimson Tide. I would have gave anything in the world to been inside that locker room and just just heard what Saban said or did before they come back out at halftime. Well, you know, I'm sure he uh, he laid it on the line. He shared that with us, and we got his post game comments. We'll try to run some of them here. Uh, uh, send me those clips when you get a chance, Justin. But he said, I was in the press conference. He said that you know he just basically asked him, you know, what kind of team do you want to be? You know, who do you want to be? And uh, you know, you gotta you gotta make up your mind here in, in the second half. And obviously they want to be a winning team and a good team and a team that has a chance to win a championship because they came out and, you know, two plays, uh, it goes from, you know, that was disappointing. Tennessee got that late touchdown. But, you know, when you score on two plays, it's almost like it was 20 to 14 at halftime. You know, they, they flip yeah. the script so quick and then you're kicking off to them. It's almost like you're starting the, the third, the uh, half, you know, the third quarter all over because you scored two plays so you hadn't even taken a minute you know minute off the clock and it, it's 20 to 14 so it was a brand new game uh that, that quick strike for the touchdown just really changed the changed the vibe and and once you got Tennessee in a tight game Joe Milton had had the best first half he'd had all season but I said you know if you can just get get him to get a little tight he'll he'll show us who he really is and eventually he did that he started missing some of those passes and started making some mistakes and Alabama capitalized and we had some uh, good hits on him. Uh, I didn't like that hit we had on our player, though. No, it, uh, they missed it. Officials missed that one, and that was a cheap shot. But uh, all in all, though, I thought it was a, obviously when you have one penalty for five yards, you're not going to complain about the officiating much. I thought it was one of Bama's better games as far as not picking up penalties, and I like the fact that they kind of let those guys play in the secondary, both sides. You know, they let them go up and, yeah, you know, yeah. there was a couple of plays that Alabama was close to interference, but then I thought that uh, the interception in the end zone, I thought the guy held uh, Burton's arm. So, you know, they let them play, and, and uh, that's that's the kind of officiating I – I, I prefer don't let don't let anything goes, but let the let the teams decide the game. And I thought they did that. Hey, great call, I'm happy for you, man. Uh, yes, sir. Roll Tide, and I loved it that Bobby was upset about the uh, he thought the officiating wasn't uh, good. You know, King of the Hill, Bobby. Oh yeah. Oh well. It's too bad. All right, thank you, Ellis. All right, Roll Tide. All right, man. Let's get to one more call before we hit the break, and that is going to be Tom. Hey, good morning, Tom. Hey, Gary, how are you this morning? Doing great. You know, Gary, I, I all season, and I, I mentioned it to Barry and Coach Anderson this morning, this team is, <clears throat> is just different from anything that I can remember experiencing at Alabama. And Coach Saban even had a comment after the game uh, this week that, you know, I love this team to death, but they are taking years off my life. Sure. And, uh, and I, I know, I think I know what he's saying, and I think I'm saying the same thing when I say this is different than anything I've ever experienced with Alabama football team. Well, I, I, I'm not going to say, I mean, probably under Saban, but I remember, you know, and the game was different, so, uh, but the 92 team, you know, they had, they had a lot of scares and they went, you know, they went 13 and 0. But I mean, I mean, remember at Tennessee when you dominate the game, but then you look up, you're up 17 to 10 and they're driving in the, in the, uh, 
um, fourth quarter, and it was Chris Donnelly, the former Vanderbilt safety, who transferred into Alabama that saves that game uh, with uh, with a late interception. You know, they barely beat Southern Miss. They barely beat Louisiana Tech. Uh, you know, it was 0-0 at halftime against Auburn. So that, that team um, had a lot of games that were nail-biters. And, and, you know, this team's had a lot of games that were nail-biters. Uh, and it's a little bit... You know, this defense is not as dominant as that defense, but I don't know that you can play defense that dominant uh, anymore because of the way the game is. But, um, but yeah, under Saban, it, you know, they've had teams that, um, you know, if somebody played you within 10, 13 points, you felt like they played a competitive game. I mean, they had a stretch there where they were beating people 40 or 50 points and games were over at halftime. So, yeah, I know what you're saying, Tom. But, uh, um, you know, you're exactly right. I didn't think about uh, all those close scores in the uh, 92 season because I always thought that was by design. You know, Coach Stallings always said, well, they got girlfriends and mamas too sitting up in the – you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, but I think um, <laughs> I think he played a conservative approach, but I don't think he wanted to – yeah, I think he would like to have won some of those games by a little better margin. But, hey, at the end of the day, they saved their best one for the last one against Miami, and that's – That one of the, sure did. But this team – Yeah, man, thank you, Tom. This team's trying to write its own story, and they got a chance to do something special. All right, 931, uh, we're going to get to the break, and uh, when we come back, we'll visit with Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com, TiderInsiderTV, next on the Gary Harris Show. If you fish – Alabama fans are all over the world, and we are too. Download the Tide 100.9 app right now in the App Store and Google Play and take the Crimson Tide everywhere you go. Time for Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV, and certainly we've got a lot to get to this morning, so let's dive right in. Good morning, Rodney. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well. All right, Alabama 34, Tennessee 20, down 20 to 7 at the half. And uh, Alabama comes out and dominates the second half, 27 to nothing, to snap Tennessee's winning streak at uh, one and uh, get Alabama back on top in the series. Uh, just uh, an unusual game, a uh, tale of two halves. Your uh, Monday reflections on what you saw Saturday afternoon inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. You know, look, it's kind of been a pattern. I mean, I think we saw it in the Ole Miss game. Uh, I think we saw it to some extent in the, the Mississippi State game. Things went a little differently in that game. Uh, we saw it in the Arkansas game, uh, where, you know, the team plays one half and then the other half they play much better. Uh, but, and that's kind of what we saw again. I mean, the first half, a lot of struggles. Uh, you know, Tennessee pretty much dominated that half. And then the second half was totally different. I mean, Alabama completely dominated the game. And, you know, I, I kind of laughed because I, I remember, I think you looked at me when it was 13 nothing or whatever. And you said, Hey, maybe this might be like 1979. <laughs> You remember that? Yeah, very well. Yeah. 17 nothing. I mean, yeah. They, yeah, jumped yeah. out 17 zip, and, you know, Alabama came back and won that game 27 17. Yeah, it was very similar, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, no, I thought that, uh, you know, once again, I'll say this, and this is kind of what I've said about this team. They may lack in some areas, in some ways, all teams do, but this team may not be like the, some of the ones we've seen in the past. But I will say this just the competitive spirit yeah, of this team it's there. is, is it's, it's just off the charts, I mean, to me, uh, because. 
I mean, there's just so many different things that, that you can point to uh, that they uh, and, and what the reason I really because I think they've missed that the last couple of years for some reason. I really don't know, but it's back. And that's really difficult to recapture when you've been in a program that's been dominant for so long. You know, to lose some of that, it's very, 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 very difficult to recapture. So I think that says a lot about the coaching staff, and obviously Nick Saban, you know, and, and but I also think it says a lot about the players because, you know, they've bought into it, and I think it goes back to chemistry. So I say all that to say I know there's a lot of criticisms at times about certain players, whether it's Milrow or whoever, but I think all that chemistry comes from, uh, you know, obviously comes from those guys and, and that they have bought in and they bring that competitive spirit. I think we saw with Milrow big time in the second half. Uh, and he continues to show that. I mean, he shows it. We saw it against Texas A&M, you know, when he needed to make a big throw or we saw it against Arkansas when he delivered the throw, uh, the second 13 there to kind of so Alabama could run out the clock. So he makes those kind of plays. There's inconsistencies, but he makes those kind of plays. And so all of that, I think, uh, it, it, it's a promising sign. It's, it, I think it's certainly something that, uh, you know, as you look forward to, uh, you know, maybe it's something, maybe it's the most valuable thing this Alabama team possesses right now. Something I enjoyed seeing was the post game uh, with Coach Saban down on the field. I went down for the, you know, to the field and was out there and, uh, just unbridled joy. Uh, an appreciation for the accomplishment, an appreciation for the fan support. And, um, you know, I, I guess I, I looked at him and I said, that's why the guy coaches. You know, here we are in the NIL era, the portal era, and all the rule changes that have been enacted since he got to Alabama in 2007. And, and you're dealing with all that. But at the end of the day, it's about coaching football. And, and he said it afterwards, you know, he loves this team. I think he enjoys coaching this team, even though they are, you know, <laughs> causing him a lot of stress but i was happy for him and you know a guy that makes that much money and has accomplished so much but uh because he's you know he he's still trying to coach football players and trying to get a football team uh to win and this team does have flaws but to navigate them to this point through the first two-thirds of the season i think is an amazing accomplishment and one of his better coaching jobs no no doubt there's no question i mean it was rough rough after that texas game you know, the next week they came out and they, they played so poorly against South Florida in so many ways. Uh, but they've come a long, long way. And, uh, he's now got, they're in a position now to, you know, obviously they control their destiny. I mean, it's, it's kind of up to Alabama right now. So, uh, I think the way they've responded has been, uh, it's been a championship response. Now, I don't know that they're going to win a championship of any kind, but it, the way they responded since the Texas game, it's just been really impressive. And, again, I think, obviously, it starts at the top. It starts with Nick Saban. He's been here before. He's done these kinds of things before, you know, in terms of getting the program turned around. But like you said, Gary, it, 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 with all his success that he's had and, and, his, and again, I say age, uh, I don't mean that in a negative way, but, you know, it's easy to get complacent. It's easy to say, well, you know, whatever, whatever. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy to get a team where he's got this team in terms of the momentum, the mindset, all of those different things. I, I just think it takes so much energy to get that right, to get that chemistry. And uh, so it's pretty amazing. It really is. Tommy Reese uh, has has heard some criticism from fans. And, you know, the first half, the offense um, was sluggish. Um 
They did have the one, you know, touchdown, but not a lot was going well. And in the second half, uh, they got into some rhythm. You've talked a lot about how important rhythm is for Jalen Milrow uh, to kind of try to get him going. But he inserted some of the called runs. Um, I, I just thought he did a really good job in the second half of plays. And, and when you have an uneven quarterback, doesn't mean that Jalen's not talented. He has been. He's really talented, and he has made a lot of plays. But he has been inconsistent. And I have not probably put enough thought into that, how difficult that is for a play caller. But I thought in the second half – they found some stuff with the run game again. Uh, got him in a rhythm, throwing the football, and and you know I thought uh, I thought Reese did a, a a really nice job navigating that offense in the second half. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it is amazing because you know I, I see it on TitleInsider dot com. He's not calling good plays in the first half, but all of a sudden he's calling good plays in the second half. And I don't know that there was a lot of difference. Um, you know, just things started executing and. You know, things happen, and I thought it started, obviously, with Jace's run right off the bat in the second, uh, right after the opening kickoff of the second half. And, uh, you know, a 29-yard run, and then the 46-yard throw to, to Bond, and the momentum was all Alabama's at that point. You know, Tennessee looked really flat-footed coming out. Um, and, and, you know, Alabama set the tone in the second half with less than a minute. It's a 20-14 to 14 game. You dominated the game pretty much. And you look up at the scoreboard and, you know, there's still a full half to play and you're only up by six points. So that, yeah, I think that that was something that was a real downer for, for Tennessee and Alabama just made some defensive adjustments, obviously. I mean, you know, they talked about going to the four man front and the different things that they did. And, um, you know, I think, and Gary, you probably have the statistics there. I haven't looked at them that closely, uh, break, broke down the statistics, how they kind of panned out, but, if I recall, I think Squirrel White caught, what? 10 or 11 passes, passes something yeah. like that, yeah. I think eight of them were in the first half. The adjustments they made to shut him down in the second half, you know. Mm-hmm. So they kind of squelched that. And, and, and I know that that was and, – and Gary Danielson pointed this out. I, I watched some of the highlights yesterday and listened to Danielson. And he pointed out that that's the same position last year that Alabama con- uh, continuously got burned mm-hmm. by Tennessee, you know, in that game. So they made some real defensive adjustments and all of that. So again, it was it was a big win, and uh, now they've got a week off, which is obviously something that I think is 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 really crucial in terms of getting rested up and getting ready and preparing for LSU because it's going to be a it's going to be one of those games, <laughs> man. It's going to be a really big one. Yeah, we'll dive into that next week full speed. Um, yeah, the defense in the second half was phenomenal. And this defense is, uh, is played about as well as any in the conference. The concerns, uh, you know, outside of the, the, you know, the lack of offensive consistency and really defensive consistency, I guess, because the first half Tennessee had a good plan. And you're right. Marquise White or Squirrel White had a 10 receptions for 111 yards and a touchdown, but not much in the second half. And Joe Milton, uh, get back to this point before I, I, I talk about something else. But I told you in the press box, too, I said, if Milton plays like this, Tennessee's going to win the game. I said, this is this is not who he's been during his career. Started nine for nine. His first incompletion was a drop. He was just almost perfect. But over four quarters, Alabama hung in there. And he, he wasn't terrible in the second half, but he missed some throws. He took that sack that, you know, that Braswell hit him in, knocked the ball in, and, and led to the Campbell's, uh, you know, scoop and score. So um, he, he played probably over his head based on what he's done this year. But I, I thought Alabama just uh, – like you said, just hung in there. You know, they kept it within striking distance, and in the second half, they got to Milton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, they got him a little bit out of rhythm. Uh, you know, Tennessee came out 
second half and that first drive, I mean, they were just, as, as I recall, you know, they were, they were running the ball in, inside trying to. And, and Alabama's run defense was really good. I mean, Tennessee came in averaging over 230 yards a game rushing. I think they ended up with 133, hold them under 100 yards, uh, their, their average. And you consider too that, uh, you know, that, that means you're, you're, you're kind of making Milro, uh, not Milro, but, uh, Milton into the passer that you, you wanted him to. And like you said, he started hot and finished with, you know, like what, what was it? I don't even remember 27, 41, something like that. 28, 41, 271 and two touchdowns. Yeah. But like I said, most yeah. of that came in the first half. Yeah. And he, I think he threw for 96 yards in the second half. So, uh, you know, again, you, you have to credit the defense, certainly. One thing that um, a lot of people are noticing, and I know the coaches are, you know, dealing with it too. I know the last one when when McKinstry let it hit when Alabama was up fourteen and Tennessee's punting it away, and he called fair catch and he got out of the way and it hit about the twenty five and went down to the one yard line. That that one set saving off, but Kool Aid McKinstry is uh, is struggling. I mean, it, you know, he's he's struggling with uh, with catching punts and making. Um, you know, making plays back there, and it's costing Alabama yards. You, you're on a bye week, uh, Rodney. Do you expect to see a change there? Well, from from where our vantage point, it just looked like some of those he was. Uh, I don't know about all of them, but the the, the one you're referring to certainly, it, it looked like you know it's an easy routine fielding of the ball, and it looked like he just didn't want any part of it. Um, so it, maybe he's lost his confidence in, in terms of fielding the ball. I mean, that can happen. And, uh, you know, he just, he didn't want any part of it. So I think if that's the case, uh, then I would certainly have to look at someone else, um, you know, in this game. This bye week, um, you know, obviously some of it's going to be done to just get the players a little bit of a break. I know they'll practice early in the week and then they'll, they'll take off the weekend and then they'll come back in and get ready for LSU. But, uh, I guess healing some guys up. What else, uh, you know, can you do during the bye to just make sure that you're you're sharp and uh, ready to go for for LSU a week from Saturday? Yeah, I think the the rest mentally and psychologically and you know physically is something that really can help you in terms of the the focusing of it. You know, you, sometimes it's good to get away. They've gone what eight straight weeks. They had a really obviously a rough August camp, so all of these things have been consecutive. They haven't had any time off hardly. So I think this is going to be an opportunity for them, like you said, to physically to, to get healed up. But just to, and I think the coaching staff can have an opportunity to go back and start reviewing some things and say, hey, you know, what what is it that we did over those first eight games? Is, is there something that we want to kind of use more of? You know, we want to focus on more. We want to focus on less. Uh, how do we want to do things in that regard? And, you know, for example, this, this is just me. I really liked the, the kind of the, the – the jet sweep motions that they had, uh, that they used uh, Kendrick Law on, you know, mm-hmm. get the ball maybe to him a, a little bit more in this latter part of the season. I think he can be a real playmaker for you. Uh, you know, there's just some other things that I think you can kind of evaluate and see where you stand and, you know, what you want to do moving forward. Ryan Neor from TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV with us, breaking down Alabama and, and, and Tennessee. One final thought, and then I want to ask you about uh, Bama and the NFL with, with Jalen and Tua. The, um, to get to this point, you kind of covered a little bit what a great coaching job Nick Saban has done, but now it's about finishing. And, and I, you and I talked about this in the press box. This is nothing against Missouri. They're having a really good year, but the SEC West has consistently been more difficult. And, and I don't know about you, Rodney, if I'm, 
Georgia or Alabama and you tell me my road to the Atlanta has got to go through LSU or, or Missouri, I'm taking Missouri every time. I'm sorry. I, I, I just think that here's Alabama again, 5-0 and in the SEC. But if you lose uh, a week from Saturday, there's a good chance you're not even going to make it to Atlanta. It's just never easy in the West. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, LSU's playing extremely well right now, too. I mean, they're, they they may have the hottest offense in the country. Uh, and you're right. I mean, you look at look at Ole Miss. Alabama disposed of them, what, 24 to 10 a few weeks ago, and they've only got one loss. That's right. Look where they are. So, like I said, a lot of lot of tough competition uh, in, in the West. And you look over there at the East right now, too. It is kind of interesting, though, that Florida and Missouri are right in the thick of it. I mean, they control their own destinies along with Georgia. So, it's uh, you know it's a little bit more competitive right now, and you know Georgia's lost Brock Bowers, so although they say Kirby's kind of laughed that off as if it's not going to have much impact on his team, and it we'll see, uh, but uh, you know it's going to be real interesting. It is all right. Um, recruiting uh, big big visit weekend for for Alabama Rod uh, with Tennessee in town. What uh, what are some updates? Yeah, I talked to someone last night about it because a lot of these things aren't going to play out for a while. And uh, But I did talk to someone last night, and uh, it sounds like to me, you know, again, visits go real, really well and all of these things. But the one thing that did stand out to me, of course, Daniel Hill was back from Meridian. He's having a big year, the running back. And, you know, we'll see if this influences him at all, uh, his, his decision whenever it comes. Uh, don't know yet, but, you know, obviously Tennessee's been in there. He visited there recently. South Carolina's been in there all along. So we'll see. We know that his, you know, his dad, Demetrius Hill, I covered him. I think he might have covered him, too, in high school many, many years ago back in Meridian. And uh, he was, uh, you know, I, I think certainly the family would like to see him uh, come to Alabama, but it's going to be his decision. But I think the real thing that stood out to me about the weekend based on, you know, the conversation I had last night, was uh and, and again Gary, I'm not even gonna try to say his last name, but it's Steve M. <laughs> you wanna try that in Boa? Whatever his name is, the Canadian defensive end. Yeah, see I'm not uh, looking at his name right now, but it was something like Steve Mboa or something. Yeah, that's close yeah, enough. Yeah. We'll say it like yeah. we're confident in it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh he had a great <clears throat> unofficial visit. You know, this is the way it was phrased to me and I think things went extremely well. If I had to predict right now I would say Alabama's the favorite. You know, Florida's been in there, a couple other teams. Georgia's offered him, but, you know, there's other teams that are involved. But uh, he's supposed to visit in December on an unofficial I'm, – I'm sorry, on an official visit. This was an unofficial visit this past weekend. So based on everything I heard, it sounded really, really good with him. And, you know, defensive line's always a priority. Guy's got a lot of potential. I mean, he's got a lot of potential. He may not be rated quite as high. Some people have him four-star, but some have him three-star, whatever that means. But – so keep your eye on Steve M. I'll just call him Steve M. And hey, and Justin O was here too. You can, I'll let you say his name, but or in Quano, um, or, in Quano or something. Yeah, we'll yeah, just, yeah. Justin so O. He, he's from Germany. Yeah. So we got Canadian, German. You know this. Uh, so anyway, it's a really interesting uh, group of kids. Hey, Alabama recruits internationally, and they can. All right, final thought. Uh, always Bama in the NFL every Sunday. They're everywhere. It's hard to keep up with them all, to be honest with you, Rodney. But last night, the marquee game in the NFL was was Dolphins at, at Eagles. Uh, Jalen and Tua. Uh, Tua and Jalen, however you prefer, 
facing off for the first time ever, and it was a great game. And Eagles won it 31-17. But what I took away from that was what I'd seen here. And, of course, all the free publicity that Alabama got all weekend, man. I mean, it was unbelievable. Feature stories everywhere. But after the game, it was respectful. Uh, you know, I don't think they're best friends, but everything that, that happened at Alabama led them to that point, and now they're two of the better quarterbacks in the league with two of the better teams. And it's just uh, it's an amazing story. And I thought last night was a showcase for the University of Alabama. I know Jalen spent the one year at Oklahoma. I'm not sure they ever got mentioned, though, Rod. It was, uh, and there was, what, 12, 11, 12 players from, from the two teams that had Alabama players on the teams. It was really, really, I thought, a showcase for, for Nick Saban and Alabama football last night. Yeah, no, I think it uh, you know, certainly is. And uh, I, I didn't watch the game. I didn't have a chance to see it. Uh, I did kind of pick up on a few things, but no, it didn't, uh, doesn't really surprise me. Philadelphia is superior in, in the line of scrimmage and, uh, it's, you know, Miami's really got to get better there. Uh, and I know that Miami had three guys out, I think, on their starting offensive line is what somebody told me. But, um, yeah, it was a, you know, obviously a, uh, it's, it's interesting because they could meet up again. Yeah. You never could. know. They, they really, really could. But, um, you know, I, I think, you, Rodney, it's safe to say I said this last night on a Facebook post that I put out that that's probably, wouldn't you agree, the most famous or well-known or, or um, analyzed quarterback competition in the history of college football was that one at Alabama between Tua and Jalen. I can't think yeah, of one. Yeah, you know, that was, that I, would, one. I would really have to think. I can't think that, of another one. Not like that. No. no certainly not here, but uh, and think, there's been some here. Yeah, I think maybe anywhere. I mean, it was unbelievable. All right, um, TiderInsider.com, uh, cranking out the info. I know she had a lot of coverage of the weekend, not just recruiting, but thoughts on the game and, and, and so forth. And uh, it's still just $48 a year. Uh-huh. Yep, TiderInsider.com. And it, uh, you can get instant access with your credit card or if you prefer. There is an address there to send a check. Gives you all our premium information, but also our all sports forum, which I mean, the ebb and flow on that thing has been just just pretty amazing. But, uh, yeah, right now as uh, we start to move into the bye week, everything seems to be pretty positive. All right. Thanks, Rod. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right, 954. We'll come back and wrap up this first hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union right after this. It's back to Captain Ray and Randy College Football 4K. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays dry this week. The sky partly to mostly sunny today, the high 79. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 57. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, lots of sunshine both days. Afternoon highs between 78 and 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 957, that's going to wrap it up for hour number one. We flew through it. Hey, uh, Lewis and Philip, hold tight. We're going to get to you to kick off the uh, second hour. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. But we're coming back with another hour of great sports talk on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. We'll be right back. Ha <laughs> 
Patterson Comer Housing and 11, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. On Sunday Night Football, the Eagles pulled away from the Dolphins 31-17. Jalen Hurts wore a brace on his left knee in the second half, but he said afterwards that he'll be fine. He threw a pick six for the second straight game, but he accounted for three touchdowns. And receiver A.J. Brown had 10 catches for 137 yards and a score. Philly leads the NFC at 6-1. and one. Reports say 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey is expected to play tonight on Monday Night Football against the Vikings. He'd been listed as questionable with an oblique injury. In the NBA, ESPN reports James Harden remains away from the 76ers, and it's increasingly unclear whether he'll be able to play in the regular season opener Thursday night against the Bucks. And in baseball, we'll have a Game 7 in the ALCS tonight from Houston, 8 Eastern on Fox, after the Rangers beat the Astros 9-2 last night in Game 6. Road team has won every game in this series. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news, only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Access to health care and long wait times will just get worse, according to a study by the Alabama Board of Nursing, showing 39,000 nurses leaving the profession in Alabama over the next four years. The Republicans for Speaker of the U.S. House now has an Alabamian in the race, 6th District Congressman Gary Palmer. A member of Alabama Senator Katie Britt's staff robbed at gunpoint Friday night in the District of Columbia, and Jack Warner Parkway between Nick Skids Avenue and Greensboro Avenue closed today until 5 o'clock for construction work. For the latest local news, News in Tuscaloosa. Alabama Sports Updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide Kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama Sports and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
All right, here we go. Hour number two, the Gary Harris Show, right here on Top 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, your home for University of Alabama sports. And we are absolutely loaded with phone calls. We're going to get two of them right off the bat here to kick off this second hour. First, I need to tell you this hour, the Gary Harris Show brought to you as always by Patterson Comer, attorneys at law, Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, feet on the ground in West Alabama. Paul's in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939. Remember, if you, uh, Call them, and they decide to take your case. There's never a penny out of your pocket unless they collect for you, and they'll be with you the entire way, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball. Even if you have to go to court, it's guaranteed one of those gentlemen will be with you in the courtroom, not some lawyer that you've never met. That's Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. If you need a personal injury attorney, they're the ones that I turn to. I'd love for you to keep that in mind if you need their help. They're ready to provide it, and their commitment to serve the client does not stop at the end of the workday. They're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Find out more at PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. As I said, these phone calls are lined up, so we're going to go in the order that they came in on. We're going to start with Lewis, then Philip, then Pat. Good morning, Lewis. Thanks for holding. Good morning, Gary. Love the show. You know, I hope that uh, players on Alabama's team and players coming into the program will take note of Chris Braswell. Uh, He's a senior who contributed when he could, and then he bumped into that starting lineup, and he is having a phenomenal year. Called that uh, sack fumble. I think he's going to go either late first round or early second round, and he's a testament to sticking with it. Uh, what a year he's having, Gary. Yeah, it's a, I agree 100 percent with you, Lewis. And I've said all along that's what's made this program great is that people have been willing to be patient for the most part, understanding that when they get their opportunity, one good year at Alabama is all it takes. You're in the most high-profile program in the country. Nick Saban's got a track record of sending guys to the NFL, and like any other coach, really in the history of college football. And we've seen this from players. I worry now with the portal and NIL that we'll lose that. I worry now that players will come in and be in patient and not want to wait their turn but Chris Braswell is a perfect example and I can think of many more that that waited and got their opportunity late in their careers and then had NFL success that's the way it is at Alabama and uh, he's another like you said great example of when you get here even on the practice field you're getting better practicing against the quality players that you're practicing against you're getting better you're being developed uh, and then when your time comes you can have a year like Chris Braswell is having like you said and, and secure your opportunity in the NFL and and have a chance to play for a championship. He's already got one national championship ring and, uh, you know, working on another. So I'm with you 100%. He's had a phenomenal year. And I'm just like you. I'm happy for guys who don't get impatient, who hang in and don't transfer. And we've seen it over and over again. You know, Brian Robinson Jr. is an example. Ryan Anderson is an example. You know, there are many others that, that, you know, didn't get to play as much as they would like early in their careers, but they waited it out and it was worth it. You know, Anderson had a nice NFL career and Brian Robinson Jr. is having one right now. That's right. And Gary, they were uh, talking about Patrick Sertan on uh, an NFL show I was listening to yesterday. And I looked, I looked him up there. Of course, he plays for Bama. He plays for the Broncos. He's making $18 million a year. Now, there are dozens of Alabama players, former Alabama players, making that kind of money in the NFL. And that just proves this. 
NFL beats NIL any day. I hope a lot of the players will look at the big picture and Van Bama is a pipeline for the NFL. Love the show, Gary. Thank you so much, Lewis, and you're right, it is. And i tell you what's wild about Sertain is he's a great player, but the other Broncos corner is 35-year-old Kareem Jackson, who came to Alabama um, and is a guy that always was a, a, a good player but never has been a superstar. But his first year in the league was 2010. How about that? How about that? And he's still playing, and he's still an effective player. Now, he got ejected yesterday because of a, a big hit. But um, another example, man, Alabama develops you for the NFL, and these guys these guy, uh, these guys, guys play for a long, long time. All right, let's get to uh, Phillip next up on the First Domain Condos Hotline. Good morning, Phillip. Good morning, and I just wanted to say that uh, Rodney um, mentioned Kendrick Law, and I agree. I think Kendrick's a really good football player. He plays – uh, with a little bit more physicality than some of the other guys we back, that Alabama has in that in that position of a sort of runner slash receiver type, uh, he's got a lot of power and he's just a good football player. And then what can you say about Jihad Campbell? What's a, what a what a naturally gifted football player that guy is. He's got size. He's got great closing speed. He made some key tackles the other day on pass receptions that were just enormous in that game. I agree 100%. Uh, absolutely. But with, with your comments across the board, man, Jihad Campbell, I said this back in the, in the preseason. He's got, he's got special ability. You know, he's got, uh, and he's still learning the game, but I know a couple of people that I've talked to inside the program have compared him to Micah Parsons with his ability to be moved around and play the run, play the pass. He's a guy that, and, and it really, he's just scratching the surface of what he's going to, going to be. You know what I mean, Philip? He's going to be a dynamic, all American football player before he's done. He he really is. He he does it sort of quietly too, but at the same time he's he's just a he's a great player to watch. I just love watching guys like that and focusing on him. You know, with my binoculars at the stadium and how he plays the game, it's just really a remarkable thing to watch. And I hope everybody um, will start doing that because you know. Man, enjoy enjoy the Jihad Campbell days. That's all I got to say. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, Philip. He's something. Yeah, he is. He's, He's something. He, he could be and the next that basketball great, team, too. He could be the next great Alabama right. uh, linebacker. Yeah, basketball team, man. I was going to talk about that. They had a secret scrimmage, but those things don't stay too scrimmage, uh, stay too secret very long mm-hmm. against uh, against TCU yesterday. And even though I th- – well, do, you, do you remember the final score right off the top of your head? I think it was 85-81. Yeah, it was 85-81, I'm pretty sure. But, uh, boy, mm-hmm. Sam Walters, I think, had 29. Alabama had a lot of guys sitting out. TCU had some guys sitting out, too. But it seemed like it was a, a productive scrimmage for, for both of those teams. And I know Grant Nelson had a stat line that I'm I'm really thinking that we're going to see a lot out of him having. Uh, he was – I'm trying to find it right here. Yeah. Played 36 minutes, 3 of 6 from the field, over 2 from 3, 7 or 8 from the free throw line. But he finished with 13 points and 9 rebounds, 3 assists. That's kind of going to be a, a stat line. I think we're going to hear a lot out of uh, uh, Grant mm-hmm. Nelson on it. But what, what about uh, um, Sam, man. Sam Walters, Ooh, man? Sam, he went 10 of 16 from the field, 7 of 12 from three. He shot the lights out, dude. And, and he only played 28 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited about this team. They're going to be a fun team. Yeah, man. That's coming out, what, two weeks from the night, right? Open? Do it now? 
two weeks from Yeah, Friday. yeah, it's back. Over, it's right? back here, buddy. It is. It, it is here. Hey, great call, Phil. Good to hear from well, you, man. Yeah. All right, let's get to uh, Pat, who wants to talk about something that uh, Rodney said. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. I didn't I talk any. I, I never did hear him mention anything about Daniel Hill. Yeah, uh, he talked I'm about kidding. Daniel Hill uh, oh, a lot. Hey, I don't know how you missed it. He, he, yeah, uh-huh. he uh, said Hill had a really good visit, and um, you know, again, uh, the family he feels like wants Daniel to come to Alabama, but you know, it's just one of those recruiting processes that's kind of drug on because you know, back in the summer he was expected to have already made a commitment, and he hasn't. But but Rodney said he had a great visit over the weekend, and uh, Alabama likes its chances. Okay, because I'm seeing that Alabama is that so things do look a little more positive for Alabama. Uh, he brings something to the table that most of our other backs don't have, and uh, that's a little bit more uh, butt behind him in order to be able to drive the ball. Yeah, he's a physical kid, and uh, you know, and 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 like you said, looks you know. Running back, but but he's versatile, and um, yeah, that's a guy that they they really want, Daniel Hill, and and I think they, um, you know, based on what Rodney said, they're they're feeling pretty good about it. But we'll you know we'll see. Yeah. You know how these things are these days. They're ne- it's the never Ryan. over till it's over, and sometimes it's not even over then. So you know some of these guys get on campus now and they leave before they ever play. Yeah, does Rodney say anything about his ability to catch the ball out the back? Didn't really talk about it much, but I think that they uh, feel like, like I said, he's a real versatile kid. Okay, I got you. That's so you, the, 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 the segment will be podcast if you want to. Go. I don't know how you missed that because that okay. when I asked him about the we, we recruiting weekend, he was um, yeah. Daniel Hill was one of the first guys that he mentioned. Pat, got you, got you. Well, I was uh, I was carrying garbage and stuff in and out. I got a doctor's appointment with spine care in the morning. Hey, speaking of spine care, that uh, uh, Doctor Thomason over there listens to your show every morning. Oh, he's good. Got, he's, he's, got, he's got it where he can hear it, but. Uh, Hey, have a hey, when you see him, tell him I appreciate that, man. Yes, sir. Thank Y'all you, Pat. Have a great one. Bye-bye. All right, let's get to Cowboy. We'll keep it rolling here before we have to hit the break because we are rattling on through him. Good morning, Cowboy. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well, buddy. What about you? I'm doing good. I guess it's uh, good to wake up on a Sunday morning knowing you beat Tennessee. Boy, isn't it, though? Because I'm just telling you, man. I Again, I, I you know how I operate. When I'm working, I kind of have a different mindset than when I'm – but when I and, but when I got down there and had to wait at that gate, because um, they used to let us in at six minutes, and now they're letting us, letting us in at eight minutes. So I'm standing there waiting around because I got on down there pretty early, and, and it, you know, it just was taking forever for that clock to run, and that guy got in my ear – and I was like, man, alive! I I'm so glad Alabama was going to beat you guys. And he was standing right next to me when uh, I hadn't gotten on the field yet when the Braswell sack and the scoop and score by Campbell happened. And he knew then they were going to lose the game. And he got in my ear about, you know, at least I get to go home to Tennessee. And you know, they were playing, uh, um, oh, what is it, the Alabama song that they play? Oh, uh, uh yeah. Come on, man. Help me. What's the song they play? Why does this always happen? The song they oh, play, uh, Alabama game, Justin. Dixieland Delight. Dixieland Delight, yeah. So, yeah. And he and he started on my ear. He said, they can't even come up with their own song. And he was using some expletives. And I said, buddy, Alabama yeah. sang that song. That song was written by an Alabama guy. It, you know, it may mention Tennessee in the, in the but this is, anyway, he just got on my nerves. And I was thinking, I'm so glad Alabama's going to beat these guys, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I thought there was, couple of interesting things in the ball game. When you're on the road and you kick field goals in the red zone, you're in trouble. 
later on in the ball game. And, and Tennessee, you know, you got to give Alabama defense credit too. Oh, absolutely, you do. Oh, but, to, to shut but, them out in the second know, half, pal. Doggone right, you do. But, you know, um, there in the first quarter, it might have been a different game. But you know, I, I, Josh Heupel, he just kind of proves he's kind of a. He's a bizarre coach. Well, listen, he's not as bizarre as you think. You know, we've seen it with Dan Lanning. These these new style coaches, and I'm not saying they're not good coaches, but this they're just not patient. You know, it's 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 it, it, you know they want to. I mean, sometimes punt the football, dude. I mean, sometimes yeah. this going for it all the time in your own territory. Um, I, I don't. Well, well, if he's going to go for it, there. Here's what I think. You know, but I'm glad he did what he, you can't run that muddle run into that line. You got to throw a quick out where you're guaranteed to kind of catch the ball two, five yards quick. There it is. Or you punt it because he had kind of flipped the field position there where he's at midfield and then he can punt Alabama deep and, and win some field position. He, it, it just, I don't get it. You well, here's, you're, you're right on the same. Here's my thing. And I was talking with, with Rodney in the press box about this. Here's my problem. Again, if you make it, it looks great. And I know the Eagles do it all the time, but they've got that, that, uh, brotherly shove, tush push, whatever you call it. That's almost unstoppable. That's a different deal. But when you yeah. go for it in your own territory, let's say you go for it like Kiffin does or some of these guys do it their own 32 yard line. All right. Whatever. And you make the first down, you still have to go, you know, 30, 40 yards for a field goal and 65, 8, 70 yards for a touchdown. I mean, what do you really get out of it? Now, I get it every now and then. I think there are times when <clears throat> you want to put the game away and you got to say a two, two score lead. So even if, if you don't make it, they can't take the lead, but you just say, Hey man, we want to make a statement. Um, but I'm still, I'm, I'm more like you. I, you know, I like the, the, Nick Saban philosophy, if every possession ends in a kick, whether it be a punt, a field goal, or or an extra point, you're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like a turnover. You're you know, correct. here's the thing yeah, about but... it, Cowboy, and, I'm, and I know we got to get the – but this is why I agree with you 100%, is we work – as coaches, they work so hard not to turn the ball over. All right, can't turn it over, can't turn it over, can't turn it over, can't turn it over in our own territory, can't – well, you go for it on fourth down and say you're on 33-yard line and you don't make it, that's like a turnover. That oh, is a turnover, turnover, is it not, Cowboy? It's like a blocked yeah, punt. It's a turnover. It's, you know, and you, so you're, you're teaching your team not to turn it over, but then you turn it over a couple of times. Right, right. But, and also, you're, you're going for fourth and a half a yard or a quarter of an inch, whatever it was, <clears> and, and you, you snap it seven yards behind the I know, line I'm not a fan. I've never been a fan. I'm telling yeah. you, and Alabama's done it a couple times. If you're as long as it's legal, if these teams don't start studying the Eagles quarterback sneak, now granted, granted, everybody doesn't have a quarterback that squats six hundred pounds. I get that, but yeah, that's still going to be hard to push. I mean, hard to oh, hard yeah. to stop if you get that right. you get that push because they're going to give you forward momentum. So I don't know. I think you're going to start seeing it more now. Granted, the Eagles will do it from two or three yards out. Now I'm not a fan of that because they. I don't. It's like their coach said last night. After the game, we feel like we got first and nine, but they'll do it. They'll do the the brotherly shove on fourth or two and three. But if you're fourth and one or less, I I don't know why more you're, you're going to start seeing more teams put it in, and then you're going to start hearing some coaches cry about it and say it ought to be taken out. So we'll see. Yeah. Hey, one one last thing I'll get you to comment. I noticed Saturday. Um, I didn't think Ole Miss could go to Auburn and win, but they did. But Pete Golden, we like to beat up on him. He still showed he is what we thought he was. 
and our defense has drastically improved at Alabama. Uh, he was running guys on the field late against Auburn there in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you this, Auburn hung in there with him, but I, I said this Friday because I do all the point spread predictions and, all, and Ole Miss was seven and a half. And I took Ole Miss minus seven and a half. And I remember, remember saying, no, check that back. I, I'm okay. I'm okay. It was six and a half. Woo. That was Missouri. It was seven and a half. I'm sorry. But I thought I was thinking Auburn was seven and a half. And I said, bet that half point bites me, but it didn't because Ole Miss was six and a half. But, uh, uh, they gave up that late yeah. touchdown. I said, let's see how I did on my picks. Now that you mentioned, I hit Bama. I hit Ole hey, Miss. Jerry, that guy will call you and get your math right if you're off on it. Oh, he will now, but I'm three and two. And because I hit Bama, I hit Ole Miss, I hit Missouri. I still don't know how Arkansas didn't play better, but then somehow I took, I took Army plus the 32 and a half. I thought LSU might let up a little bit with them being a service academy, but 62 to nothing. That's, that's no respect for our service academy, is it, cowboy? You know, I don't know. I guess uh, they they honored them before the game. Yeah, I know they did. I just stuff. this is not a vintage Army team. A lot of times they would have, you know, they would have given them thirty two and a half. They'd covered all day. But I went three and two. Hey man, as long as you can go sixty percent every week, you'd be you'd be all right. But oh yeah, you'll be ahead of the bookies. That's right. <laughs> well, look, good talking to you. Thank you, Cowboy. Good to, good to hear from you, man. It's uh, 1020 here on the Gary Harris Show. And, hey, we'll be doing it again this Friday. You know, we gave away <clears> – we had – in fact, we had Mailman Jerry's um, family member, Matt, from Huntsville, was in town for the game. He just came by and picked up the uh, Jalen Milrow autograph football that we got and finally was able to get picked up. And then last week we gave away the uh, Hey Vols print, and that's another guy I got a call from – he's from Huntsville, uh, the guy that won the uh, – uh, the Hay Vols print with Roman Harper making the uh, stop to win the uh, preserve the victory in the 2005 <clears throat> third Saturday in October matchup between Alabama and Tennessee. And we'll be giving away another great prize on Friday. I'm not sure yet what we're going to give away from T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery and University Mall. But, Justin, um, people have caught on to uh, this is, I'm telling these phone lines get jammed. We got people. In fact, we had an app winner. Friday's guy was an app winner, wasn't he? And we con- want to continue to remind you to download the app. Uh, for Ty 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. And you can send in your answer to the trivia question on the app. And if you can't get through on the phone lines, that's another way to get qualified. But we've been having a lot of folks participate and, and I give a call, I give a question that's a good question. I don't make it brutally hard and I understand. Listen, I'm not naive. I mean, there's Google. I know people are gonna, are gonna Google it, but that's, uh, that's part of it. What we really want is just participation and uh, we're getting that and we're giving away some unbelievable prizes. In fact, I would, I would say I don't think there's another radio show that I've heard uh, that covers Alabama that's giving away the kind of prizes we're giving away every Friday. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you got a Jalen Milrow autographed raised letter Alabama football. That's un- unbelievable. And I want to thank T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery and the University Mall for providing us those great uh, prizes. Go by and see Tom and the crew for all your menswear needs. And, of course, that one-of-a-kind Alabama football memorabilia collection. That's T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. We're back. We can take more phone calls in the next segment on the First of Main Condos hotline, 205-342-9904. We're back after this. Connecting one-to-one was the support I need. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays dry this week. The sky partly to mostly sunny today. The high 79. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 57. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, lots of sunshine both days. Afternoon highs between 78 and 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 68 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best station in the state breaking down Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. I'm going to talk a little more about uh, last night's uh, Sunday night NFL showdown between Alabama and Alabama. I mean, the Eagles and the Dolphins. It felt like that, didn't it, Justin? I mean, I I think that, you know, of course, Julio Jones was active. They just signed him. He played early and caught a pass for three yards, but didn't play a lot in the second half. But uh, you had so many former Bama players on both teams. It was just, it was just unbelievable. And it was a, it was a great game. Um, the Eagles came out and looked like they were going to blow the Dolphins out, and it was 17 to, to 3. And Miami faced a third and 18 in their own territory, and Tua hit Wilson for a first down and then hit that beautiful throw to Cheetah. It looked just like the second 26 catch to the, uh, in, the, in the National Championship game to Devontae Smith. And so it's 17 10. And then Jalen, who had fumbled early, he's had, he's had an issue with turnovers. Um, and he got, they blitzed off the edge, and the guy hit the ball and tapped right to the linebacker, and it's 17-17. And, and really, the Eagles' defense have been playing dominant football, but then Jalen did what he what he does. I mean, he came back. He led the Dolphin, uh, the Eagles on two long scoring drives uh, to go up 31-17, and then um, the Philadelphia defense did the rest, and uh, actually the Eagles knelt on the ball down in the goal line situation. <clears throat> they could have made it 38-17, but there's no need to do that. Uh, Hertz played the second half of Sunday night's win with a brace on his left leg. He said afterwards he'll be fine. Um, AJ Brown said, I don't want to put his business out there, but he's a tough individual. He, um, our style of play, sometimes he scrambles out and may get nicked up right, right tackle Lane Johnson said, but he does a good job. He never really shows it or complains. That's just, uh, that's just Jalen, just stoic. Um, just a stoic guy, just all about, like he says, keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing is winning. And, um, so I thought both quarterbacks played well. It wasn't, it wasn't either one of their best games. Obviously, anytime you throw a pick six, but Tua never really got on track, but that Eagles defense, even with guys out in the secondary, they, they did a really good job. You know, a lot of people are talking about this being the make or break for both of these teams. The Eagles have been looking rough. They had a loss last week. Uh, Jalen's been dealing with turnovers and that leg injury. Um, and the Dolphins as well. The Dolphins kind of got smoked by the Bills, which we saw Mac Jones come back and play great against um, and get a win for the Patriots. But uh, the Dolphins have a lot of injuries as well. They're going to get uh, Jalen Ramsey, arguably the best corner in the NFL, back. Um, he's coming back from that, uh, I believe, ACL injury, as well as Xavier Howard at uh, another defensive back. And I think left tackle, left guard, 
and center were out for the Dolphins? Well, they, the left guard went out during the game. Isaiah Wynn was left guard. Lester Cotton from Central High School in Alabama came in. I thought the guy played pretty well, to be honest with you. But both teams were dealing with injuries. But you play with who you got. It's a national football league. Last night, the Eagles were better. Uh, but it's not a, uh, it's not a make or break game for either, either team. I mean, you've got the Eagles are six and one. The Dolphins are five and two. The both teams lead their divisions. Uh, you could possibly see them again. Uh, the, the challenge for the Dolphins is going to be, they're so prolific on offense, but they play the, the Bills and they've played the, the Eagles and both of those defenses have been able to slow them down. And if you're going to win a Super Bowl, you got to be able to, to put up those kind of yards and points against the top teams. And that's, I'm not sure about that, but I think both are really good teams and, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, both teams are leading their division. There's no way it was a well, make-or-break game. That, that was all my point was. Is yeah. There's still very much a chance we see both of these teams in the Super Bowl. You could. You year. could. I mean, I still think if you're in the AFC, it runs through Kansas City. Uh, in the NFC, it kind of it does run through Philadelphia. I mean, they they, they went last year, and, and even though the Niners are really, really good again. Um, but you're, that's, you know, that's, and you know, we got to get the break, but that kind of goes with winning. You know, we've seen it with Alabama. Once you start winning, your scrutiny is, you know, like you said, and that's been the perception. The Eagles are struggling. They lost one game. <laughs> you know, they lost, they lost one game and Hurts had one of his poorest games I've seen him have. And still they'd probably win that game if he doesn't throw the late pick six. And the Dolphins have lost to the Bills, who's a, I understand the Bills are up and down, but we know how talented they are. So, you know, when you're that good, the, the, the level, you know, if you're, if you're a two and three team and you win a big game, people are like, oh yeah, they're playing great. But I, I'll say this real quick too. I was happy for Matt Jones yesterday with all the pressure in the world on him. And Boston's a tough sports town. He went out and played brilliantly against the Bills. And even after the Patriots almost blew it, um, when Bourne, the wide receiver, fumbled late, he took him down there and led that drive and, and threw the game winner with seconds to go. And of course, uh, Bryce and the, pa- the, uh, Panthers were on by, but, uh, Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL, it's a lot of fun. All right, we'll take a break and we'll come back with Casey Smith on golf. We got a lot to discuss. We'll keep it dialed in right here to Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Join Tide covering University of Alabama sports as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten thirty four, Casey Smith on golf now, and we got a lot to cover this morning. Casey, how are you? I am doing good, Gary. Hope you're well. Doing great. Um boy, uh you and I have discussed this. I don't care how talented you are, and even with the, the live split, it's still hard to win on the PGA Tour. There's so many guys out there, there's so much depth. And an example of that is, I guess I didn't realize that it had been over two years uh since the Open Championship in 2021, since Colin Morikawa had won a tour event. And that he still just had five tour wins. I mean, I just, I, I don't know why I was thinking the guy had won like 10 times and, you know, we know his history in the majors, but that's quite a drought. And uh, he, he, he ended it in style at the uh, Zozo Championship in, in Japan with a flawless round, uh, final round 63 to win going away. But that, uh, that, that surprised me. I didn't realize it had been that long since he'd won an event. Yeah, it's very much so, uh, it's very much so a JT. You know, I know we're, we've discussed talking about that later today is very much so a JT type of slump, you would say, uh, that he's gone through. I mean, their careers are very, their games are very mirror image of where, when, at least when they started and what got them to winning early and often. And, um, 
it, you know, being a lead iron player, top three iron player, but, and then struggling with a putter. And, um, he struggled really badly with putter, tried everything under the sun, but had a really good year. I mean, statistically, Morikawa had his best year in 23 this past, this whole year, but he didn't win. That tells you, to your point, how hard it is to win. Uh, his, everything was trending in the right direction for him to, to sort of snap out of not winning. Uh, I think, you know, his slump looks a little different than JT's. Is he had a great year. He just didn't win anything. Right. He had a lot of great finishes. Uh, and, and just just really points to your point of, or proves your point of, it is very deep. And when you eliminate guys, no matter what, I mean, the fields, the fields are deeper, and they're only going to get deeper um, when you have the Dunlaps and Sargents and all that. Coming behind, the state of golf is in a good spot. Yeah, Colin Morikawa, he's a great guy. Good to see him win by six shots over uh, Bo Hostler and Eric Cole at the Zozo in Japan. Um, very well attended event. Japanese are crazy about golf. And Robbie Shelton had a great week, which was great for his fall season. Uh, he finished fourth. Lee Hodges finished 21st. Davis Rowley finished 31st. So they're, uh, you know, they get a little week off. This is the, they mirrors up with Alabama's off week. They're off this week. Uh, all were traveling back on the big tour charter and the tour returns for three events to finish the fall in Mexico on 11 2. And then they finish, they go Bermuda and Sea Island to finish the year. Uh, so yeah, big, 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 uh, week for our guys. Those guys, all three, good to see them that, you know, earn some money, play some good golf continue to improve their position on the PGA Tour. Yeah, huge uh, tournament for Robbie Shelton uh, to finish out with a 65 yesterday to get a tie for fourth. And you mentioned the other uh, Bama guys had good tournaments, but Robbie Shelton, that was badly needed at top five. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he um, you know, he, he moved up to 80 on the fall, FedEx Cup ball, which is great for him. It sort of secures him now no matter what happens uh, so he's safe going forward and, and we'll get in. If he could have a good, you know, he's in all the other three events. If he could have you know, a good couple of more good finishes, he would move on up to where he might could get in those designated events and not, and just not be in all of the, the regular events where, where there's obviously, uh, more money to be made and continuing to advance your career. Uh, the, Interesting news that just came out, literally just came out. The DP World Tour, meaning the former European Tour, just announced today that they are going to give DP World Tour cards to all PGA Tour finishers 125 to 200 on the PGA Tour money list when this fall season ends. So essentially, this whole thing continues to evolve. And they're sending their best 10 players. The best 10 players in the DP World Tour get PGA Tour cards, which their season's almost ending as well. Uh, and then we're sending them any of those guys that, that don't qualify. And a lot of those guys in that 125 to 200 will burn an exemption from multiple-time winner or where they've been on. There's all types of exemptions they can burn. But the cool part about it is there's guys that wind up without places to play that finish in that those spots, I mean, there have been Alabama guys before, like a love lady in the past. Uh, you know, they would all have a card on the DP World Tour, and, it, you know, there's a lot of good money to be played over there. It's, it's obviously a much greater purses than the Corn Ferry Tour, 
you just have to travel around. But, um, you know, a lot of guys have, have fared well. A lot of guys just play the DP World Tour, you know, without any goal of getting to the PGA Tour just because they like it so much. So very interesting uh, news to break in the golf world on that. Yeah, indeed it is. So that's uh, – do you like that move? It seems like it makes sense at this point. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, the DP World Tour can call itself whatever it wants. It's become a, it's a feeder tour, uh, and that there's a partnership there. Probably the Europeans don't really like that the way it it looks, but I mean, it it, it you can replace Corn Ferry Tour name with DP World Tour. I mean, I think it's good for golf to give these guys a chance. It probably obviously bolsters their product a little bit to make their fields even stronger. Uh, so. I don't think it's a bad thing, especially, you know, we're always looking out for our Americans. It's good for the Americans for sure. All right. Uh, before we and get hey, to – one other thing. Yeah, go Rob, ahead. Robbie Shelton, you know, that'll tell you something. <clears throat> Robbie Shelton, they just re- – they released the earnings the day after the tour events, and so they released them this morning at $378,000 earned. So uh, pretty good showing there for him. Not bad. Not a bad day, four days of work. Yeah, that makes it uh, that makes it worth the travel. That's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's it's great. What uh, you know, we talk so much about Bama in the NFL, but it's fun now every Sunday. Bama on the PGA Tour, man, it's a pretty good uh, pretty good roster out there. And that leads us to JT, who is still the marquee Alabama guy, and uh, we saw him really battle all the way to the end to try to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs, just barely missed, showed some fire at the Ryder Cup. Now the question is, can he bounce back after the worst season of his professional career? I, I never dreamed the guy wouldn't win at least one tour event. And uh but you you know I talked about this. It didn't happen overnight. I mean he won the he won the PGA championship in twenty twenty two and give him credit. What a great comeback. But outside of that, uh he didn't win. And then he won the the tour championship in twenty one. But they had that stretch there from about 17 through about 20 where he was as good as anybody in the world. And he was continuing to, to win some big events, but not winning as often. Then he didn't win at all. So uh, what, what's the key? He's made some team changes, made some instruction changes. It looks like he's going to keep bones on the bag. What's the key for him to have a bounce back season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's you go back and you look at everything. Uh, JT, it's still putting is where he's ranked. The, the, you know, is just deficiency areas are putting and three putt avoidance, which one of the big stats out there that they lo- they love to look at is bogey avoidance. Three putt avoidance is in the same, it's basically the same thing. Uh, he's 182nd in three putt avoidance. That's just if he cuts that in half, there's no telling how much more he wins. I love the changes he's making to own his golf swing, to not just feel like you got to have somebody there all the time. I think you know we've seen it already in the one event he played. Uh, he's up, he's got an uptick in his driving distance, gone to a little bit of a longer driver. He is, you know, he's not, can't point to anyone but himself. And now it's just going out there and doing it. He got rid of that putting coach that I thought was brilliant. I think that was killing him. He was paralysis, uh, by analysis there. But yeah, I mean, he's 46 in data golf rankings, which I, it's the really one to go by right now. Um, you know, official girl world golf rankings pretty much meaningless because they don't recognize the live. Folks, but 46 in data golf, 72nd in the FedEx Cup. And, you know, you're talking about a guy that was the, the PGA Tour Player of the Year 2016, 2017, the PGA of America Player of the Year 2017 and 2020. Uh, you know, he peaked at world number one in 2020 when it, everyone was included in that and was ranked number one in the FedEx Cup. The latest number one ranking there was 2021. Uh, but a three time money winner, he has made 
earned $55 million on the course Jeez. and a total of right closing in on his $100 million when you combine off-course and on-course. And yeah. it's signed up. It's crazy, right? And signed up for that tomorrow sports league, simulator league. He's one of the 24 that are going to be on that uh, with Tiger and Rory, uh, which they've just protected there. And those guys are connected to the PGA Tour, and they're protected there. But I, I do see him bouncing back. I think that it's really hard to win, if we, as we've discussed. He's eliminated some of the things that might cause pressure. I'll be interested to see if he plays in the remaining three events this year. Um, he's going to get one of those sponsors exemption into those elevated events. Um, so it, he's not having to play as much on finish, more than just developing some form. Um, we have, we see him signed up for the hero for Tiger Woods event in the Bahamas in early December. And it looks like Tiger Woods potentially is going to play himself. Uh, and that's before the, the PNC that the Thomases are also signed up for. So I would assume we would see Justin Thomas in one of these three events coming up, given that it would be a long time just to take off if he didn't. Um, but I do see him coming back. I mean, all the other stats really still point to being one of the best guys out there. I mean, around the greens, he was fourth. His driving distance since he's changed drivers, seventh, um, which is up 60-something spots. And the key to me is, uh, I said it all year last year, is he's got to get his proximity to the hole, his, his, his strokes gain with his irons back um, because a strokes gain approach, because that's when he was your best player, you know, arguably our top five player in all of golf. He was, you know, top three to the best iron player in the game. And you just overcome so much of the bad putting because you're giving yourself more opportunity. And when he lost that this past year, really year 18 months, he, um, everything else faltered behind. You're, you're putting more pressure on a putter that's never been just great. And so you never know when, when guys can turn, you know, look at Lucas Glover, went from one of the worst putters in golf, almost quitting, to – one of the best putters. You never know what they can find right. to just change it. So I do see him bouncing back, and I'll be shocked if he doesn't win this year, at least one event. And, um, you know, that's why I'd love to see him play some this fall. Maybe it's it's one of these you could win to really jumpstart your spring. And, and, and really that Zozo has, has, to that point, the Zozo has been that. Uh, guys that have gone on and won the Zozo in the past few years have gone on to have a big year. If you look back at the past winners, I mean, Hideki won and wins the Masters. Tiger won over there, wins the Masters, right? So mm -hmm. uh, it's been a good springboard event. Maybe one of these next three events in the fall are, but his schedule is still TBD. So be interesting to see if he plays. All right, tell, tell us more about the simulated league, simulator league. I, I'm still not – I mean, I know it's coming, and I'm still not sure how it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, they've changed <laughs> They changed their uh, – their plan a little bit. Now they've sold ownership to teams. Arthur Blank's an owner over here in Atlanta. Uh, right now there's six cities with four-man teams of 24 total players, uh, six cities with teams. I think that's left where they can grow. It's going to be some form of team golf. They're going to play on Monday nights during prime time. All the events are going to be played at, uh, at Palm Beach State Community College. They're building this 2,000-seat interactive arena that's almost done. They will begin playing this year in January. And I think they play 12 events. I think that's what's really right what it is. But 
they're obviously getting paid a lot of money there. The PGA Tour owns maybe 18% of tomorrow's sports. And the tomorrow, you know, letters are really spelled Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. So uh, they're the, the main owners. They have investors, Steph Curry, the Venus and Serena Williams, Tom Brady, Justin Timberlake. They're all involved in this, Arthur Blank. So something you're going to continue to see grow, and it's really just a way that the PGA Tour further protects its assets. Uh, they're involved and embedded with Tiger and Rory, and Tiger and Rory sit on the PGA Tour, you know, players board. So any of this stuff that Liv goes on with, there's just so many moving parts, and that web gets, you know, tighter because of all of the lawsuits and all the lawsuits are done, but all of the framework agreements and how it affects both of these these leagues. Uh, so, yeah, a lot, lot more to it than that now that they're all embedded together. Casey, did the, uh, was that event down in Miami for Liv yesterday? Was that their final event of the season? That's it. The Liv season has wrapped up officially. Bryson DeChambeau's team won. Um, he had, you know, had a good year. They, Bryson DeChambeau's game is back. I mean, it's really, uh, Taylor Gooch is their individual champion, but Bryson's team with Paul Casey and Charles Howell III and Nirvan Lahiri won the team event. There's been some scuttle this week. Some, you know, some of these teams have interest from global folks that want to buy them. So, um, now it's going to be the race to getting this live and PGA Tour deal done. I'm told that it's probably going to at least be to March. And now the PGA Tour has three choices to make. Do they want to go move forward with the Saudis? Do they want to, you know, take private money? They're going to take private money either way. I, I was told they're going to get $2 billion from private equity, whether that's from the Saudis or that's the, from someone else. And then if they don't take from the Saudis, the, um, you know, they're going to leave a frustrated and irked, uh, Yasir and with a big checkbook. And, and then there'll be separate entities if they decide they want to, you know, but, but they also know they're going to be able to get, um, private money now. And they're probably not going to lose some certain players because these guys are, are there. And, and they, they've pretty much locked up the guys that are the most important tigers and Rory's and Spice and, uh, you know, everyone else, as you pointed to your starting comment, I think people are starting to realize the tour's taking some punches, deservedly so, but they've, sort of standing still tall now knowing that they can get this private money and have this war chest to continue to improve their product and now they really don't have to go into business with the Saudis and when you include this tomorrow sports a lot of their assets are, are protected now so uh, tours actually sitting in a much better place than they were yeah it's going to be still going to be interesting man it's uh, strange times in the game of golf great stuff Casey well, hey, hey, one one other thing. I don't know if you've noticed that, but Nick Dunlap uh, led the Team USA in the world in Abu Dhabi over the weekend, or end of uh, last last week, the twenty first when it wrapped up. And um, they, he and Gordon Sargent, so yeah, two days ago, uh, he, Gordon Sargent, and David Ford, Gordon Sargent of Vanderbilt, David Ford, UNC. Uh, this is the thirty third playing of, and they brought the Eisenhower Trophy back okay. for the. USA Worlds, Dunlap stays on a heater. He shoots 69, 67, 69, 68, 15 under, finished second as an individual to um, Tabori from New Zealand. Sergeant and Ford both finished in the top five. They've been on a nine-year drought 
of not have, winning this trophy. It's been played 33 times. USA's won 16 of them. But uh, big big win in Abu Dhabi, and uh, I saw some of the highlights. I mean, that, that guy is absolutely on the heater. Yeah, it's incredible. Back. No, I'm glad you brought that up because I did miss it. I guess I I just uh, he's just doing something spectacular every week, and, and it, it, it is it is remarkable. <laughs> and, and the Alabama golf plays at life. he's flown back to play in the South Alabama tournament. It's still oh mercy. If any of our listeners are near. It's open to the public. You should go check it out if you're near Mobile and Stillwood. It's a great, great venue, and man, get every chance. You, every chance you get to see this guy play, you should. I think, you know, you never know what happens in golf, but boy, the projections really sure do look good for him. And uh, really excited to continue to follow this. It's incredible. I mean, it is absolutely incredible what he's doing. No, I'm glad you brought that up and got that in before we uh, before we hit the break. Thank you, Casey. Thanks, Gary. All right, 10.52, we'll take our final break. Before we do, I want to mention to you, my friends, at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. I've been a member, as I said, for over 20 years, and I absolutely love it, and I know you will as well. So get by and see the Y. It's a great facility. It's a great group of people. It's kind of like a family down there, 2313th Street, downtown Tuscaloosa, ymcatuscaloosa.org, 205-345-9622. We'll be back to wrap up the show right after this on Tide 100.9. Base in Birmingham, Alabama. We .9 Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays dry this week. The sky partly to mostly sunny today. The high 79. Tonight mostly fair with the low at 57. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, lots of sunshine both days. Afternoon highs between 78 and 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow the Crimson Tide on their journey to another national championship. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1056. Uh, we weren't able to get to any of the Nick Saban clips from Saturday. Just didn't have time. But uh, Coach, spoke, uh, Coach speaking this morning, probably already wrapped up with the uh, Monday morning in Birmingham. Uh, quarterback club it's the, uh, always does that on the Monday of the bye week. No press conference today at noon, of course, since Alabama doesn't play. That will return on uh, next Monday. So we will uh, we will uh, keep you up to date all week long, though, even though this is a bye week and it's coming at a good time, Justin, not just for the team and the, the coaches, but I think for me and you and people that are in this media, so it's going to be nice to have a little bit of a break, still be football this weekend, but kind of not have to worry about covering a game and you know, we'll watch uh, Georgia, Florida, and these other games, and uh, I'm looking forward to having a little bit of a uh, little bit of a break. All right, this hour, of the Gary Harris Show has been brought to you by Patterson Comer's uh, Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Remember, uh, if you want somebody right here in West Alabama to represent you in case you're involved in a uh, personal injury case or an automobile accident case, you want to get Patterson Comer, Paul Patterson, and Mike Comer. They do it right. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. It's coming. I caught you off guard, Justin. I, should, I tried to, to wave there. The representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. Got to get that disclaimer in. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Catch me on TV tonight with local sports on WVUA 23. Then back here tomorrow for the Tuesday edition of the Gary Harris Show at 9 a.m. Well, we got the Miller's Eds coming up next. And for Noah and Justin, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day.
Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. She's running around.